Hello, everybody. This is Paul Kapuska, editor of Mobile Sports Report, back with our podcast series. And I'm very excited about our guest today. We have on the line the very famous, the standout, the wonderful person, David Payne, from the University of Oklahoma. David, thanks for joining us. Hello, Paul. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Let's um, let's start out a little bit by letting everybody know just who you are and what you do there and how you're not responsible for the kicking game. Um, why don't you just uh, give us a brief description of you know, what you do, how long you've been there at Oklahoma, what your primary responsibilities are, and then we'll uh, start talking about stadium technology. All right. Um, well, I'm, I'm a little bit unique in terms of the uh, collegiate. Actually, if you were to conduct this interview with, a, with five or six different collegiate people, uh, you would find probably about four different stories or four different kind of frameworks or structures. Uh, I am, my label here is, uh, my title here is the Senior Technology Strategist. Yeah, I'm an employee of uh, OUIT, Central Campus IT. And the way we're structured here is they've divided the campus up into business verticals, uh, athletics being one of those verticals. And I am essentially uh, the primary point person responsible for that vertical. So that means that I liaison between campus IT and athletics Mm. on all things technology. Part of my job description is to um, represent vigorously my customer, who mm-hmm. is athletic, to campus IT when it comes to um, technology solutions, uh, and also to represent campus IT to athletics when they are deploying uh, campus-wide technology solutions that will impact their business or um, have some benefit or influence on what they do. Great. Uh, um, that's, that's probably enough. So. Yeah, let, let's talk. You know, you and I have, have talked a bunch in the past, and, and I, I've been you know, very interested uh, following the steady progression of things you've been doing there at, at Oklahoma. Maybe you could just start out a little bit by, you know, maybe talking about what's happened recently and then walking a little bit backwards, you know, explaining how, you know, overnight success didn't happen overnight. Right, yes. Um, well, the most recent um, occurrence was the um, complete remodeling uh, of our south end zone. We, you know, we have a hundred-year-old stadium here, and that's that's fudging a little bit. I I don't know the exact number of years. We're the core of our stadium is um, well over eighty years old. Um, the we we had a traditional kind of a U shape. Uh, where we had one end zone bowled in and just a grandstand standing in the other end zone. We leveled that grandstand and bowled in the south end zone of our stadium. Uh, And um, a part of that project gave us the opportunity to uh, address some core infrastructure issues uh, and roll out fan amenities, wireless being one of those uh, amenities in that portion of the stadium. Now, getting to that point, we just, we, we finished, um, it was an aggressive construction schedule. We basically tore down the end zone uh, after the last game of the season, 2015. We were back in for the first game of the season, 2016. The south end zone was still pretty much a construction zone, but the fan areas, the seating areas had been completed and the tickets that were sold into those areas were accessible and 
a, a pretty nice ticket. We we have long explored the possibility uh, and what it might take to put wireless into the stadium, and we'll probably get into some of this. Um, sure. But uh, long story short, it wasn't as easy as just saying, "Hey, we'd like to have wireless." Um, <laughs> right. <laughs> And the, but this construction project gave us an opportunity to to, be, to begin to address that. Something as simple as having cable paths to the points where you were able to mount antennas became more easily addressable if it was rolled in as part of this project versus something standalone on a, a another more more broad stadium approach. Uh, and like I said, we rolled that out. Uh, we were we were up and running by our first game. This past season, we have one season of experience under us, uh, under our belt, and uh, a little bit of data from that. But it's um, and, and probably the other uh, really interesting thing is uh, it was a work in progress. We weren't 100% live uh, at game one. In fact, because it was an active construction zone, we didn't have all the APs in the area up and running until about mid-season. Okay. But we were. We, we continued to put it out there with very minimal advertising that it was available and monitor what was going on. So it's, um, it's kind of like a test, uh, a test situation that's live at the same time. Right, yeah. Now, you know, going back years, we, we had talked about stadium wireless for at least five years. And there are some different challenges for that that we can we can get into that kind of caused the talk to go on so long. But you and I actually talked uh, at one point in time during that five years and, and one of our early approaches to rolling out a fan-centric amenity or the fan-centric amenity of wireless started in our, our RV lot down at our basketball arena. We have a an RV lot that uh, has a capacity of about 400 RVs and it's full every Saturday of game day. We rolled out a um, wireless uh, solution down there and began and uh, began collecting data off of that and it was well received. It was, it was uh, an amenity that accompanied a rate increase and it's been well used uh, since that time. We have had that in place for um, four years uh, going into our, our, I believe our fifth, year, fifth season right now. But the data from that that we gathered um, yeah showed us that, that it was important uh, or that it, it would be well used. There was a true fan engagement opportunity there. That the, right. the fans were embracing it. They were adopting it. They were using it. Was, was uh, it crucial to get those kind of numbers? I mean, were there still people? I, I mean, I still, you know, to this day when I go around and talk about what I do, you know, there, you still run into uh, people who, who say or think, you know why? Why do you need Wi-Fi in the stadiums? Why do you need connectivity? Aren't you there to watch the game? Uh, did you run into any of that internally or around the well, edges? Or um, yes, and and we continue to to this day. Uh, of course, you and I you and I know the the picture is bigger than that. But from looking at it from that level, you know the, I don't think you would find anybody that works in the industry, whether they're on the pro side, a team owner, um, or a marketing director of a pro team. That, that wouldn't agree that when they have people in their venue watching their game, they want them up and cheering and making noise and fully involved yes. and not sitting down and looking at a device. Particularly, you know, in, a, in an environment like a, like a football game. Um, sure. 
where you have a, uh, a lot more action and, and a lot less downtime throughout the game. And, and you know, not judging any sport here, I, I, I support 25 of them uh, by virtue of being on a college <laughs> campus. But in that environment, you, you, you want that energy to be a part of that game, and, and you don't want to put distractions in that take away from that. So yeah, there was there was a lot of uh, that kind of discussion and that kind of talk. Uh, there was also kind of a, well, what do we get that's different here that people can't get just through their cell phone? And the inference there being related to cell phone coverage, uh, and right. you know, in our in DAS in a stadium or or which we happen to have a DAS in our stadium. But beginning to answer that question and beginning to deal with all the benefits or things that come with. So, you know, just a, you know, a quick, yes, it does enhance the, the customer experience. We, we do know that more and more people are, are bringing devices into the games. Now, we don't really see that people are bringing three devices into the games and sitting there walk, talking on their phone, doing their iPad outside of maybe the press box or the premium area suites. The people that are sitting in the seats aren't keeping up with three or four devices what most of them are doing are um, engaging social media and uploading uh, part of their experience. Right. And so that, that becomes part of the story is then that fan becomes basically an advertising conduit for you. They, they help propagate your brand because of what they are able to do with regards to, the, to having a great time in your venue at, at the game. There's nothing that replaces sitting at the game um, or being at the game in spite of the long lines and parking and all that, <laughs> all those things that we hear that we're, right. or they're driving us out of the marketplace. There's still nothing that replaces that game experience. If you have a quality product to offer and a lot of fans that want to be a part of that. So. Yeah. And, and, and I think just having that Avenue is, I, I know, you know, we've had great discussions about, you know, what really matters. Is it, the speed of the network or the capacity or what are you really trying to do here? And, and I think the bottom line is that you're really trying to make this a, a better place for the fans to be, correct? Right, yes. Um, yeah. Yes, uh, you and I have had some, some great discussions about uh, the, <laughs> the, the headlines, which makes great material for you as a, as a um, writer uh, to, to talk about, hey, so many terabytes happened at the Super Bowl hmm. or whatever. And that's great. Um, that's that's good to know. Uh, you know, yes, more and more people are using data. You yes. know, oh, go figure. You know, it's, um, <laughs> the world is changing, and technology is part of it. It's kind of that's a that's a general informative piece of information. But what are they doing? Uh, and yeah. I'm not talking Big Brother. Um, I'm more talking about if I'm going to approach this as a technologist, and I'm going to try to build out an infrastructure. Uh, I want to build the right kind of infrastructure. I'm not going to say, oh, you know, I think I have eight terabytes go out um, over a weekend of a game. So um, I'm going to build that. Um, no, I want, to, I want to know, okay, we've got uh, X number of this kind of device. We've got X number of people connecting this. We've got so much of this going toward public safety and just the communications devoted to that. We've got this much going there. Um, how can our how can we build a network that will do that efficiently and provide a, a good experience? Because you, you know, in the early days, I'm I'm sure you found this in the early days when fans came in 
to a stadium or to a venue and they advertised Wi-Fi and it was bad, um, mm. that was not good for the people who were saying, hey, we've got Wi-Fi. No, um, no you, you lose them once, you lose them forever. Right. And I think that there was a lot of that in the early days. You know, there were a few people who did it right early on. And then the rest of the people, they were like, oh, we've got to catch up. We've got to put in Wi-Fi. And it was just like, okay, figuratively, they, uh, literally they weren't doing this, but figuratively they were running down to the local box technology store, buying off-the-shelf stuff and throwing it in there and saying, yep, we've got Wi-Fi. It's there. Um, <laughs> but it doesn't do anything. And so uh, wanting to build something that, that, well, first of all, you have to know what you're trying to do in the stadium and how you will leverage technology to do that. And then second, you want to know what people, people are always going to innovate. People are always going to, what I like to say, use technology to change the world. Yeah. I mean, it, it, if you go back to hunting and gathering, um, somebody discovered you could sharpen stones, somebody discovered you could forge steel, and somebody discovered you could store food for longer, and all of those things absolutely changed society. So technology's been doing this since the beginning of time. If you put technology out there, make it available to the people, they are going to innovate and they're going to do things with it. So I think, you know, one of the changes that's been talked about often in the discussion about Wi-Fi in the arena is people were building it and trying to have these great uh, download speeds so that you could deliver video uh, in the stadium of instant replays or so forth. And the data that started coming in, coming in showed that that really wasn't happening as much as people hoped. What was happening was more people uploading photos onto their social media uh, or um, yes. sharing them with friends or texting them out. So building it so that it both meets your needs and, uh, and creates or provides for a positive experience for those people who are there in your stadium, if they're going to use it, become the two biggest factors in, in planning it out. I, I think that's a great and sort of not well understood point. Because in talking to all the people who I talk to, all the different stadiums, you, you do get a sense sometimes that you know the people become very enamored with the technology they're putting in and say, hey, we can do this, we can do that. And I, I, I just wonder if there's enough time devoted to going out to who the customer or who the end user is going to be and say, well, what do you want to do? Or not even knowing what you want to do, but sort of just giving them the space and, and letting them run with it. Right, yeah. Um, this past season, we sent out a survey um, to the people who associated with our Wi-Fi and registered. We sent out a survey to everyone who provided an email address. We got a pretty decent response rate. A few hundred people replied. Of those, uh, I received probably about six negative replies. And of those, I'm going to say, I'm going to guess, they thought they were they were replying to the survey, but I would I'm going to guess that the people who replied were talking about cellular coverage versus Wi-Fi coverage. But the reason I mention that is there was one fan who replied, and uh, he was a computer programmer, season ticket holder, holds tickets in a premium area, and um, had sent me a kind of a long, detailed, specific list hmm. of of uh, how he felt like we should be using the Wi-Fi. So he, he said, he said, this is what I like to do, and I wasn't able to do all of these things, 
But these people who come in and kind of stream a game, another game, <laughs> while they're watching this one, they're they're abusing the privilege, and that shouldn't be allowed. And right. these people that, and so it, it created a good opportunity for me to to um, reach out and um, and try to have uh, follow up contact with this person, which I haven't been able to do yet. Um, but I have offered that if. Uh, if he's in the stadium this season, just to give me a text, and I'll meet him at his seat, and we'll talk further, and we'll make sure that his Wi-Fi experience uh, is positive for him. And that could spark a discussion where um, I'm able to kind of dialogue with him about, well, if if that's what people are doing, shouldn't we try to provide for that with our network? You know, the network we put in, I'm, I'll give you some, some pipe-sized numbers uh, sure. to kind of give you, give you some filler. Um, as part of uh, this project, I, we invested in a whole new MDF, uh, redundant MDF system for our stadium. So we have two dedicated MDFs um, that are redundant. Uh, we, we purchased a brand new core router to go on the South Campus distribution node and connected all the athletic venues to that node. The, previously, they had gone to different nodes around campus. So what that provided for us was once that core was upgraded to 100 gigs, is we had a we have a 100 gig backbone that um, all of our athletic venues are connected to, and we right now feel like that we are we're in better shape than most athletic venues that are out there that are having to buy you know uh, that are buying their own pipe. Right. Um, they're not buying a pipe quite that that large, <laughs> but by virtue of being on a campus having research and being tied to um, the nationwide backbone, um, we're able to take advantage of a few things there that that aren't readily available at other venues. Um, so <clears throat> we feel like that that gives us a huge head start and a huge advantage. And so rather than starting to talk about what we should limit, yeah. um, we, we're trying to have the conversation about what can they do? You know, what, what can we offer? So. That's great. Um, I'd like to transition a little bit, if we could, and talk a little bit more about the specifics. You mentioned a hundred-year-old plus probably stadium. You know, what what were some of the just you know baseline challenges that you had? You you did talk about a little bit about you know having the benefit of new construction, but as you look to expand the system and and you know and increase increase its its footprint, you know what what are the kind of things that you guys have to you know, overcome. Right. Okay. A couple that jump out just immediately are cable paths. The core of that older part of the stadium is concrete, steel, and uh, was built during a time when you didn't have to get infrastructure to all these different places on the field. And as those things have been added, they've been added on a kind of an ad hoc as needed basis. Um, TV comes into the mix and says, oh, we're going to need some cabling down on the sidelines or we're, we're going to need some cabling up at the camera pedestals or, you know, or different things. And so things that have been added don't necessarily correspond to what you would need to put in kind of a, uh, a high-density uh, Wi-Fi deployment in that space. So uh, that would be uh, one part of it. The other part is having... And, and I realize there are technologies out here that out there that address that and that we we could look at. But having the the number the right number and locations for 
IDF and switch locations. I, I know that there are a couple of stadiums that have gone with the passive optical network, and they're able to address that in that way. But while that is a that, you know that is a viable option at most places. One thing that we one decision that we made early on is that we weren't going to spend multi millions of dollars. And when I say multi, let's just say a round number to deploy <laughs> Wi-Fi, a fan facing Wi-Fi in all of our venues could be somewhere in the neighborhood of ten million dollars. Oof. Um, because at, it's significantly less than that just for just the stadium. But yeah. for for football, we're talking here about six or maybe seven Saturdays a year. I know enough about RF that I that I knew I didn't want to have two competing RF wireless systems hmm. running around in the stadium. So we wanted to put in something that was able to deliver the kind of experience we wanted on those game days, but was also able to be used as and leverage it as part of the campus resource right. the other 359 days of the, of the year. Uh, that meant that it also needed to be supported by the existing campus resources. So, you know, we as a campus had already gone down a certain road, and that limited our ability to kind of evaluate and explore. Let me just say we limited our ability to evaluate and explore a technology like Pawn passive optical networking right. and doing that. So um, with those limitations, you, you know, you just have old architecture, and you have to uh, be creative in how and where you set up the the different you know distribution points to get the connectivity out to the point where the radios and antennas need to be. Interesting. Did that, did that answer that? Uh, yeah, it it did a little bit. I mean, I, I'm just. You know, I'm I'm guessing there's older other things, other you know challenges like digging down, possibly getting into concrete, possibly doing under seat. Uh, again, these things can tend to be cost prohibitive, can't they? For you know a venue that's really not going to be used more than a handful of times a year. Right. Yes. Um, and you know, you mentioned under seat. That is that's that's one we were we did actually consider that we looked into that, but because of the the way that our particular stadium is constructed. Um, it would have caused a complete redesign of not just cable paths and, and, and such. It would have caused a redesign of actual seating. Uh. And the, <laughs> the way that the stadium is put together right now, there just wasn't physical space to place under seat as, as an approach. So for us, the, the next best alternative was to utilize a combination of handrail and overhead deployments where we, we address the high density through getting radios and antennas close to the fans, running cable paths through handrails and right. mounting those antennas on those enclosures and then addressing some of the higher up areas with the canopy that was a part of the new south end zone uh, from above. And, I mean, that creates some challenges when it comes to tuning hmm. because you have those overheads broadcasting and they can be seen from just about anywhere that you, right. can, you know, have line of sight. And so um, it then challenges our engineers to tune and really try to focus those beams into particular areas so that the coverage is there, the interfer interference is minimal. Um, and there's good handoff between each of those. And that's just part of what you have to address. There's more than one way to approach it. And mm. right now, the preferred way is to maybe try for the underseat approach. But in an older plate, in an older facility, that may not be an option as yeah. it was for us. So. Yeah, you need to use what you have, right? 
So right. let's um, let's wrap up a little bit just talking about, you know, now that you're here, now that you've got, you know, systems installed, what what's next? What's, you know, uh, you, you talked a little bit about using the data from this past year. I'm guessing even without advertising, you probably still had plenty of people finding the networks because uh, in my experience, if you put a network out there, people will find it and use it. <laughs> so so what's what's next? What's, you know, short term? What's long term? What's um, you know? What's next on your horizon? Well, we want to continue to move forward here. We would like to get to the point where eventually we are able to provide it entirely throughout the stadium. Right now, the story is we have it in this area. There are three really nice open to the public fan gathering areas that are part of that. A, a, a majority of the rest of the space is premium, but these are all accessible, and so. You know the the question. You know, I, I I really need to. I really like would like to get connected. Well, head over to that concessions plaza, and two of those are actually within view of the field, so they're able to to get connected and um, have concessions and see the game uh, from those those points. But to the future, you know, obviously we'd like to roll it out. If that has to be phased, we're not opposed to that. You know, this phasing in has worked pretty well. There was there was good adoption throughout the year. There was one anomaly that we discovered in our data, and that was that one of our high-profile premium games later in the season actually had a decline in take rate. And we were all kind of sitting around scratching our head, and then all of a sudden we realized, didn't it rain that entire game? <laughs> and, well, of course. So that, then we were like, okay, question answered. It was raining. People had their phones in their pockets and not out um, doing anything with them uh, in this driving rainstorm. So, mm -hmm. sorry, I realize I'm I'm bouncing around here a little no, bit. No, 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 uh, that's great. But if but if we were to phase it, if we were not able to roll it out into the stadium, our, our next our next stage is going to be to deploy what exists in the south end zone into all of our existing premium areas more fully according to the design that was made for us so that we have a consistent premium experience all around the stadium. And then if we have to phase from there, we would then try to address the traditional student section, uh, identifying them as some key stakeholders, some key constituents, and probably some of our more willing adopters and takers of that amenity. But in a, in a perfect world, in an ideal world, we'd able to be, be able to knock out the rest of the stadium at once. We also have plans for our basketball arena. It has constantly been a challenge place for it for us. It's it's basically an underground bunker, mm. a, a big concrete uh, bunker. <laughs> um, we currently only provide what's needed for game day, what's needed for the ongoing business, you know, press, media, right. instant replay, the different factors that are there. And we we attempt to lock it down so that the public can't get on it in the game time experience. But we've also engaged some of the cellular providers to beef up DAS and that connectivity experience there so that they're not completely dead while they're in the, the arena. But we'd like to have a consistent experience there. And then from there, throughout the rest of the venues, I mean, those are obviously our two largest venues right. with a, a larger a number of fans. Uh, we have a baseball field, a softball field, track, uh, a field house where they do volleyball, gymnastics, and wrestling. Um, and all of those are, are fairly well-attended sports for us, but they're also much smaller venues, but they're also old buildings that have some of the same RF challenges with um, the concrete and steel. Yeah. 
but we'd, we would like to expand and have kind of a consistent experience that's part of the whole making it easier to be a fan uh, where technology isn't a barrier. So. Well, that's great. Um, David, I'd like to thank you for your time today and, and sharing your thoughts with us. If anybody's out there listening to this and wants to get more information, uh, you can send an email to me here, caps, K-A-P-S, at mobilesportsreport.com, or just post a comment to the blog post here where where this podcast sits. Again, I'd like to thank our guest today, David Payne from the University of Oklahoma. David, thanks so much for your time. All right. Thank you, Paul. All right. That wraps up this edition of the Mobile Sports Report podcast. Stay tuned for more editions coming soon.